into present day that would encourage us to move forward. So that's what I mean, sort of, when we're talking about remembering forward. If you have your Bibles, go to Joshua 4. Um, We'll have the words, of course, on the screen for you, too. Israel's walking into a new life. Um, They're entering the promised land that God had promised them so many years before. And we'll pick up, and we're going to read just the first seven verses. So if you want to turn and hold your finger there, we'll get there in just a second. You you are Bible scholars. You know Israel's history. Abraham is called out of Ur Ur the Chaldeans. God says, I'm going to take you to a place. I'm going to make a people come out from you. Nations actually will come out from you. God promises Abraham land and lineage. And, and we see that unfold over generations of time. Of course, there's Isaac, the promised son, and there's Jacob, who gives birth to 12 sons, um, who will become the 12 tribes of Israel. The, the 11th of those 12 was, was Joseph, who got pulled out of the group um, through no desire of his own, but we find out in looking at his life story, it really was the hand of God who was bringing all this about. And Joseph is taken and sold into slavery and in Egypt, where through a series of events, God's blessing being the main one on his life, Joseph finds himself second in command to, to Pharaoh only throughout all of the land. Um, and event, there comes a moment where, because of famine, Joseph's able to bring his family to Egypt and care for them and, and have relationship restored. And, and years go by, and Israel grows in the land of Egypt. Um, and then the Bible says there's a crucial moment where it says that, that there, there came a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, and all the rules started changing. There was no history, no relationship um, that this new power had with Joseph. And he looked at the nation of Israel, and he was threatened by it because of their size. said, you know, if this people ever get organized, they can maybe overthrow us. And so he he throws them into slavery and, and, and bondage um, for many years. Of course, then comes Moses, and then comes the miraculous um, plagues and God's deliverance, the last one being Passover. And God walks his people out of the land of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea, then they go to where the God splits open. They go to uh, Mount Sinai where God speaks, and the thunder and the lightning, um, and, and God gives them his law, both both ceremonial law and moral law and civil law. They comes from the mountain. And then there's, then there's the, the 12 spies of Moses that were sent into the promised land to spy out the land. 12 guys come back. 10 bad reports, two good reports. The people chose to believe the 10 bad reports, and we know the end result. They're 40 years in the desert, just wandering, and none of the generation that was over 20 years old at that moment in time would enter the promised land. And when we come to our text, we are 400 years from, removed from Abraham. And we're at the border and on the brink of the promised land again. And in chapter 3, if you wanted to go back this week and read that chapter, you read of the crossing of the Jordan River, how the, the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest was walked into the waters and the waters stopped. Um, and downstream created dry ground so Israel could cross over into the promised land for the very first time 
into this place of newness. So let's pick up verse 1 of chapter 4 of Joshua. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you will lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? And you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Father God, we, we commit your word to you and ask that you would make it have life to us. We give you this time. We give you ourselves in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Unique story. Israel crosses the Jordan River on dry ground. Joshua's given instructions. Take 12 stones. Send a guy from each tribe. Each pulls out a stone. Take them with you where you're going to lodge in a place that would become known as Gilgal. Um, And there, pile the stones up for a very specific reason. And Gilgal was important. Um, in, in the history of Israel. It was a place not only that they first lodged in the promised land, but it was a place they would live. It's a place they would set up camp and set up bases. It's a place they would go out and fight from. A place they would come back after fighting to find, to regroup, to, to um, rest. It, it was a place they'd set up for, for worship to the Lord. And it was this place they would live and be and continually be in eyesight and, and being reminded by this pile of stones by these memorial stones that were set up on the day that they crossed into this new land. If you you look at and study, if you want to do a little side study in Scripture, study stones and rocks. They they show up a lot of times, and they have a lot of meaning throughout, especially the Old Testament. Stones speak. Stones have a voice, not that audibly, but they represented. Stones became altars. They became um, boundary markers. They, they were uh, erected around cities and walled cities, as you know, were the most uh, difficult to try and conquer and, and take. Um, next in line for the Israelites would be Jericho. That was a walled city. It was the Ten Commandments were written, s- scratched into stone. We have a group of people whose parents are not with them as they enter the Promised Land the, the only stones that that group of people were, were able to leave in their 40 years of wandering, unfortunately, were gravestones. They didn't get to enter the promised land. But yet, those, those, even those gravestones can speak to us today, not of punishment, not of, 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 of God's cruelty, but, but really much the opposite. They can speak to us of God's um, favor of God's grace, of God's kindness upon our lives, because even though they, they rebelled against God, even though they would never enter the promised land themselves, they still spent 40 years of God's provision. He didn't abandon them. He didn't walk out on them. He didn't just wipe them out. He was good to them. He kept them. 
He kept providing for them each and every day. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad that when we mess up, God doesn't just pull the rug out from under us. Amen? I, I think I'm in good company. But they lack the boldness to follow this path of newness that God had, been, had told them about for generations. And because they didn't have the courage or the boldness to step out and embrace that newness that God brought them to, their lives just marked time. They, they just marked time. They missed God's best. Okay? They didn't miss God, but they missed God's best. Now, I know newness can be scary. It really can because it's unknown, because it's unfamiliar. But can I tell you something? If, if, you're, if you're going to Canaan, right, which is what the Christian life is about. Canaan doesn't represent heaven. Canaan represents symbolically the spiritual life, the journey we're on, the new life that Christ has given us and walking that each and every day with him. Canaan has a purpose, and the purpose was for conquest, not for comfort. So if you're comfortable in Canaan right now, you're not doing it right. That'll preach, but I can't go there. Okay? But these people cross over, and what's in front of them is a whole new way of living. A brand new, everything is different. Everything changes. They, they have to change their habits. There's no more, first of all, there's, there's no more um, manna and quail and water from rocks. From now on, that all went away, went away and, and the message is sort of like, now, now people, you're in the promised land. Now it's time to grow up. Now I expect the things of you. Now, now you're going to be more responsible for some of your own sustaining power. You're in this land of, of fruitfulness, this land of milk and honey that I've given to you, and, and it's all there, but you've got to go get it. You've got to go harvest it. You, you, you've been eating a diet for 40 years of, of Three things, basically. Now you have the abundance of the land of promise right before your feet. But you're going to have to go get it. I'm not going to just do everything for you because you need to grow up. Canaan's about growing up. And then not only habits, but you have to change your mindset. You're no longer this ragtag traveling group of misfits. You're no, you're no longer slaves um, that... that used to be in Egypt, but still with that mentality. you got to change the way you think. You're now in the land of your possession. This belongs to you. You are now land owners. This is a permanent habitation for you, and you're no longer a people. You're becoming a nation that I can use and that the people of the earth will fear, and your reputation will be known. See, newness changes the whole way we do life, or it should so God instructs Joshua, he says, go set those rocks as a memorial, but for a specific purpose. And the purpose was simply this, that caused the people to remember forward. So they would remember forward. These stones would remind them of the character and presence of God who loves them and encourage them to keep moving forward. Remind them of, of the victories and even maybe failures of the past. Learn, recognize God's goodness and grace in them and keep moving forward. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you'll tell them. You'll tell them about God's grace. You'll tell them about God's goodness. You'll tell them about what it means and what it's like to walk in newness of life with 
the God of the universe. And stones then would also prompt not only questions, but conversation. It'll, it'll open dialogue where they, you can share. Yeah, and knowing this, you know, it's like you'll be, it'll give you an excuse to share the faith lessons that you've had over your life with those who, who um, you want to speak into. So even though they're in the past, they're going to they're going to create a future for you and for others that you can share these stones with. And I, I can imagine, since these men so knew what they were doing and knew what this was about, I, I I wonder what was going through their minds as they went to pick out their stone. I wonder what memory went through their mind as they were taking out their stone and carrying it on their shoulder. Maybe one of them was about the way God kept covenant by delivering them out of. Egypt that they never thought could be possible, but God is a God who keeps covenant with his people. I wonder if it was uh, the crossing of the, of the Red Sea, how with God, he can make a way where there isn't one. Anybody say amen? amen. He can make a way where there just isn't one. Maybe it was a, a, a stone that spoke of, of God's provision, of how, he, how he's a miracle worker, how they did eat manna every day and quail and water from rocks that that there's no explanation except that God is a, a miracle worker. I wonder if anyone was humble enough to even take a stone that spoke of a, a less than stellar time in, in their history. There was a time when, when the people of Israel rebelled against God, um, and, and many of them were being bitten and even died from, from snake bites. And God instructs Moses what to do, and the people um, respond properly. And it's a stone that maybe has some pain attached to it, but there's a deep lesson of God's grace and his desire to forgive and his desire to heal. If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a stone that we need to remember on and on. I wonder what stones meant in their hearts. And can I tell you something? There's memorial stones in your life. There are stones in your life. There's people and events of God's grace, of God's kindness, of God's goodness. There's times of, of healing and provision and protection. There's times of, of success and failure that can speak into today, that can speak into tomorrow. If we'll, if we'll gather them, there's things in your life that left the mark, all by God's grace, all because of his grace. And those are experiences we can carry forward with us. And notice the carrying of these stones wasn't for the men who carried them. It was for someone else. And your stones often are for not just you. They're for someone else. And they're to be gathered and shared. They're to be collected and put on display, if you would, so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. They're stones that right now are... To, to, can bless those who are in your life now. And they're stones that if you'll share them, they'll, they'll speak to those who follow after you, to those that maybe are wondering, boy, is chasing going after this newness of life in Christ, is it even worth it? Is it worth the time or consideration? They need to hear maybe your stories. Maybe they need to see the stones that you've piled up in your life that speak of the goodness of God and the greatness of God. A life of newness lays stones that edifies those that you're walking with, and it blazes a trail for others to follow. Let's be those people. Amen? Let's be, let's be those people. Let's be people who remember forward from the stones that have been laid on our behalf, and let's be people who leave stones for those who follow after us. Let's, 
Let's never forget that God laid a memorial stone for you and for me. It says Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before Christ came to earth, wrote this, thus saith the Lord God. Okay, he wrote it, God said it. Behold, I'm the one who's laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation, and whoever believes will never be shaken. Any believers here today? See, we're here today because of a stone that was laid by God for you. Peter and Paul both call us to be living stones, that our lives would speak of the person of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, for the blessing and benefit of others, to make him known to others. Now, as a church, we've been moving into something new in our walk. If you've been around much at all or listening, I think you're aware of that. Something new, something fresh, something recent, something unprecedented, something better than anything that we've known in the past. The, the past few months to me, and maybe to you too, but over the last few months, certainly less than a year, it feels like a, a, a suddenly, that God has suddenly moved and shifted and been very active in, in the life of our church. And that I've also lived long enough to know that suddenlies really aren't. They feel that way, but they're really not. That suddenlies are usually just the stones God has been placing and putting in place for years. And then suddenly we become aware of it or, or the dots start to connect. And they're to remind us to keep moving forward. They remind us that God was good then, God is good now. He'll continue to be good. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And I think it's important for us during this time, and it's what this morning is, is dedicated to, is to pause and remember forward. Remember some of the memorial stones that have been set prior for us to, to benefit from today, that, that the activities of God in our past will, will be reminders and encouragement to us to continue to reach for our future in him. So I want to pull, if I can, I want to pull 12 memorial stones from the river of our history, if, if you'll allow me to. And, and I'll speak fast. I'll make comment on a couple. Some of them I'll really simply just, just read to you. And I, I pray they'll be a blessing to us and, and, and give us some foundation and grounding for where we are right now and hopefully excitement of, of where we are right now. When, when Marilyn and I came to Columbus, it was 1974, and Christian Assembly was on Angler Road in a, in a church building. Some of you remember, um, some of you maybe not. Um, if you're familiar with Rama Christian Center, that was Christian Assembly. Um, the, Rama bought that from us a number of years ago. Um, in 1975, pa Pastor Sam, who was the lead pastor then, who was my, my mentor in ministry, who, who was my, my, my friend, my, my big brother in, in many ways, um, the Lord put on his heart, and he, he presented to the congregation that we were no longer to meet on Sunday morning on Agla Road, but that we were going, to, we were going to go into school buildings. Now, you can imagine that had mixed reviews. We had a nice, comfortable building. Um, we weren't bursting at the seams, and it really didn't seem, seem to make sense. Well, leave that building empty and go pay to, to sit in a, you know, a school auditorium but it, it's what God asked of us. And in all honesty, as I look back and I look at 
the last 10 years maybe of church life that we really did God in a box before it was a thing. You know, that's what they call these pop-up churches, you know, God in a box, church in a box. They, they go and, and uh, you know, everything's in a trailer. And that was us. I'd, I'd come at 5, 30, 6 in the morning. A group of guys would meet me. We'd hook up a trailer, take it over first Woodward Park, and then later right next door at Brookhaven High School. We were four years d- doing that every Sunday morning, then tearing it down and bring it, bringing it all back. Uh, but it put us as a church on a brand new path. It was, it was a life of, of newness. It was hard. It was work. And it was delightful. Because it was God. Because it was God. So I, I, I remember forward that God's blessing is never limited or restricted to locations or buildings. That's a remembrance we have to bring forward with us as we walk through this new life that God has for each and every one of us and our life corporately. So while we're in the schools, we're able to build, and, and because we're Brookhaven, we're able to watch this the sanctuary, the original sanctuary, be built and, and moved here on this property in 78, 1978. And from the sanctuary, along with the sanctuary, we would add a school building, a prayer chapel, um, family life center in, in which we sit today, which gives us pause to remember forward that God uses temples made by hand, but he lives in temples of flesh. Important for us to remember and take with us. There came a time where we wondered about relocating. Um, we, we weren't sure if we should stay in the area. We, we, were sort, we really were landlocked um, because we owned this five-acre tract, but we didn't own the one south of us, adjacent to us, was owned by the Catholic Diocese. And every year faithfully, um, Pastor Sam would send them a letter, just kindly asking if they had any interest. And they would kindly write back and say, no. Um, <laughs> And so after so many no's, you know, you can only take so much rejection. Uh, sort of gave up until uh, suddenly a letter comes in the mail from the Catholic diocese. Hey, are you still interested? And in, in I don't remember the exact, it was, it was a week to 10 days. In that per- somewhere in that period of time, we raised from, the people gave $300,000 cash to buy the five acres near next door. And we, and we said, this is God's answer for us. That, that we're to stay in this community at, at this period in time. To, to remember forward this truth. God's timing always comes with his provision, and his provision always aligns with his timing. His timing. His timing. Because we struggle with that. So wait. Wait. He'll renew your strength, and then suddenly... Over the years, then, things unfolded. You know, a Christian school called Chrisma Academy. Uh, we had daycare through sixth grade. S- a huge summer camp ministry that started with teens, and then it, it, we then started bringing elementary, and then it split into two camps because we were stepping on each other and, and not able to do all the things we wanted to do with that wide of, a, a, of an age group. Um, the youth and children's ministries in-house expanded, and and grew and enlarged. We developed and hosted an annual conference called Exaltation that was not only a blessing to us, but it was a blessing to countless number of churches around us and even from various states, many other states. And we even would have sometimes people come from other countries to be a part of this conference. We were 
that when, when worship and arts conferences were, were um, growing and developing, we were pretty much the, a, a re, at least a regional, if not a, a national hub um, and, and cutting edge on, on uh, how, how you take the Bible and how you take the arts and put them together and use them for God's glory. And, and the exaltation was a wonderful blessing for, for many years. We, we developed a, a, an outreach um, program to the families of this community called Northland Jubilee. There's a lot of people in this room who, who helped and participated in that. We took the five acres next door that was just an empty field. We put tents all the way around it. We filled each tent with some kind of an outreach, whether it was we, we cut hair, we, we painted faces, we did nails, we, uh, we fed people, you know, we gave out school supplies and on and on and on, there was just so many different ideas, and all that, that we, and, on, and on a given Sunday, or Saturday, it was a, a one-day Saturday family festival kind of thing, we'd have 2,500 to 3,000 neighbors um, out in the field, um, and it all culminated, uh, we had a guest evangelist who had come in, and it all culminated at the end to a, a, a service and a call to salvation, and, and many of you remember that with, with great fondness, that the, the remember forward Point is this, point number four, that the work of the kingdom of God happens 24-7, 365, and beyond the walls of the church building. If God's kingdom was limited to what happens here, it's going to be a slow-growing kingdom. But what happens here is to inspire us to go and do and be the church out there, to enlarge and expand the kingdom of God. In 06, 206, the Lord gave me an exhortation, and, and you, you know me. I'm, I'm not one to quickly say the Lord said. I'm not one to, to I'm just not one who goes there or, or would even couch it in those kinds of words. Um, but sometimes you know that you know that you know. And, and I, I wrote it down. I, I shared it with Pastor Sam at the time. And he, he said, we have to publish this and just give it to the church. And I want to remember that forward because I don't, we haven't completely fulfilled it yet. I don't think we've really answered what God spoke to us as a church, even back then, completely yet. It simply says this, get ready for I'm preparing to do a new thing in this place. You must examine everything that exists and be willing to change. For the old ways cannot contain the new. The new patterns will not look like the old. The sights and sounds of the new will replace the old. You must be willing to put off and put on the things that I desire more than the things you desire. For what has been has been wonderful and pleasing to me in the past, but just as you desire fresh bread from me, I desire freshness from you. What will you change for the sake of my glory? What are you willing to lay down so that I can move? When will you allow my desire to take the place of yours? Remember forward, number five. God is ready to move, but will only move to the degree that we're willing to be moved. That's true then. It's true now. And those questions are personal first, and they're corporate. That I have to answer as a person, and we have to answer as a church. At the end of 207, it was probably one of the worst times in the history of our church because Pastor Sam was promoted to heaven. And if you knew him, you still miss him. Um, he was a great pastor, and he was a great friend. 
it was a painful time for us as a church, and it was certainly a path we had never walked or had any intention to plan or desire to walk. And then in 2008, our, we had our exaltation conference. Um, and we had been asking the Lord at that time. I certainly had been seeking the Lord, God, we need your help. We need your guidance. There's just sadness. What, what, where do we go? And, and not only where do we go, when is it time? When is it time to start moving forward again? Um, and on the final night of, of that conference, our, our guest ministers who were there for the, for the conference uh, set aside the plan for the evening, um, led by the Holy Spirit. And, and they um, chose to use that night to speak life into the leaders um, and, and congregation of Christian Assembly. And, and they reemphasized in, in many real ways the exhortation that God gave us in 206. They sort of underscored, highlighted, and, and added some dimension to it. Um, you won't know all these names. Some of you remember, but Robert Stearns talked about the molting, a molting season that we're in, a, a shedding of identity in order to take on a new identity in God. Uh, Philip Cameron was with us, and he talked about that this was a time where, where, where to find every, every person was to find their own anointing, that, that you need to find out what, what God's put you on earth for um, and, and pursue it. What gifts has he put inside of you and, and lay them down and give them back to him for service. And um, I, I want to share with you, I only take a couple minutes, there's three short clips I pulled out from that conference. Um, first, Dr. David Ireland um, is going to share th something about uh, feeling the changes of God and, and which it, the ch we can't divorce ourselves from our emotions. Um, his wife Marlinda was with us and she, she gave a word about young adults. And then Robert Stearns gave a, 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 an exhortation, powerful exhortation over our pastor. And, and I want to share those three with you and then we'll continue with, with our list, okay? So, Becky, if you're ready. So there's a, a stabilization of who you are and what you are and what you are to become. That's right. And it's always a little bit disconcerting when God starts to rock the boat a little bit and say, look, I want to change your motif and I want to change your style of ministry and I want to make it even fresh, fresher than ever before. And get ready for revelation that's going to touch your emotions because change doesn't really occur until you start to feel deeply about something it's not just an intellectual ascent it's a feeling that has to occur and there are feelings that God is causing to arise within you that's going to give birth to a fresh perspective and a fresh insight in ministry on a personal level and a corporate level and when you feel what God wants to do for Columbus, Ohio, for the States, and then for the world, it makes you change your style of ministry and makes you even start to test things that you never tested before. And there are things that I don't know. And none of us here know exactly what God wants to do and how He wants to do it. But we do understand that when God begins to birth some things, it's going to be different than what you're familiar to and what you find comfort in.
Father, in Jesus' name. Now the Lord says, you have been in some ways misunderstood. You have in some ways been misunderstood and not fully uh, able to step into the place I have for you. For you're multi-gifted and you're multi-talented and you serve in many places. And yet it is yet to be revealed the true heartbeat, the true core of who you are and what I've given you to do. And yet you've whispered it to me and you've whispered it to one another. There's a heartbeat deep inside of you that says, Lord, we're happy to serve wherever, we're happy to do whatever, but God, this is the thing that could it be. This is the dream in our spirit. This is the dream in our heart. And the Lord speaks his word of affirmation over you tonight. And the Lord says to you, fear not, my eye is upon you. Fear not, my hand is upon you. Fear not, I am the one that sets up one and takes down another. I am the one that moves you into your timing and moves you into your position and moves you into your placement. And everything that you've done unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, I have counted it to my account, says the Lord. So fear not and say, Lord, will our dreams ever be realized? Will I ever fully express the things in my heart, in my spirit? The Lord says, I put them there in the first place. And I'm watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over my word. There's a creative word. The Lord says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Fear not. Fruitfulness will mark your lives. Fruitfulness will mark your lives and you'll be joyful. His yoke will be easy, light, and joyful to you says the Lord your God. Lift up a shout of praise to the Lord across the house. Amen. Amen. That, that's just a small segment and flavor of what the Lord was saying and doing um, and speaking to us that, that evening. But that evening was important to me because it was affirmation that the Lord had started dealing with me on some things about direction and guidance, and, and um, the, I didn't know when. When is the time to start talking about those things out loud and, and doing things? And, and um, much of what was shared that evening was affirmation because it's the exact things that the Lord was talking to me about and, and was putting in, in my heart. And, and it, those things would put us on an, a new path, a path we've never walked before. Um, and there's lessons from that time that we need to remember forward. We need to, there's stones that were laid that we need to keep in mind because they're not only part of our history, they're part of our present that can encourage and move us into our future. I, I think I'm at number six, and, and these I'm just going to read as quickly as, as I can. That number six is transition isn't complete until there's transformation. Sometimes we get stuck in transition. It's easy to happen, and we think that we're gaining ground, but no, we're just transitioning. And transition could be cyclical. It could become habit for me. It's not complete until there's transformation, until we look more like Jesus, and until we're walking in his steps more diligently and, and intentionally. Number seven, we can't be who we're supposed to be without surrendering who we are in Christ. We can only be like Christ to the degree that we're not like us, that we lay down our identity. Number eight, 
We can't do what we're supposed to do without letting go of what we've done. We, we like sameness. We like routine. We, we like um, identifying ourselves by who are you and what do you do, da, 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 da. And, and that's like what we're going to just be the rest of our lives. But what if God wants you to do something different? What if there's a, something more in you? Because I guarantee you, none of us yet have discovered every gift God's put in us. None of us have, have walked in every calling that God has for us. None of us have, have seen the, the wide steps that God has laid out for us. And it's easy to just settle in the comfortable ones, the known ones, the ones we feel confident in, where God may be saying, I want to add to that. I want to enlarge and expand that. So we have to be willing to let go of what we've done so that we can possibly hear God for something more. Number nine, the continual good work that God has begun has its own rewarding level of discomfort. I'll let you go home and think on that one. I smiled at myself when, when I wrote it down. But it does. It does. Just because it's a good work doesn't mean it's always an easy work or a comfortable work, or even a work we want done. But it's a good work. And if God says it's a good work, then we want to surrender to it. Amen? We want to cooperate with it. Number nine, or number ten, rather, faith shouldn't surrender to feelings, but rather should shape our feelings. Always. Always. We don't deny our feelings, but we let faith speak to them until they align and undergird our faith. Number 11, spiritual legacy should always be activating next generation believers. And that's something all of us are a part of. All of the, and I don't care what age you are. Spiritual legacy doesn't start when you suddenly hit a certain age. Because if that's when it starts, you've missed a whole lot of rock gathering. Spiritual legacy, in fact, young people, I'll tell you this, young adults, I'll tell you this. If, if you're not building, intentionally thinking, praying, and building the spiritual legacy right now, you're missing time. And you'll regret it later. You'll wish you would have later. The continuance of the church, local and at large, depends upon intentional spiritual legacy and, and building next generations. And every generation needs to be actively involved. Number 12, the last one. The inner work of the Holy Spirit transforming our soul is never finished. Anybody say amen to that? We're a better work. We're a being perfected work, but none of us are a finished work. Um, as I've spent the week just going over a lot of these thoughts and ideas I'm, and thinking about where we are now, I'm, I'm more confident and convinced ever that we're, we're in an we're in exact place that God's brought us to. We, we really are, and it's a place of newness. It's a place of freshness. It's a, it's a place of, of, that's unprecedented. We've never been here before. We, we've, we've not. I've never been here before. But because God is in it, because it's God's hand, I can also tell you it's a better place. And that's not diminishing or discounting anything in the past. It's saying that, thank God, we have a past to build on. Thank God those pieces were put in place so that we can look forward to tomorrow with God doing even more through us, individually and, and corporately. 
And, and where we are is, believe me, nothing that a person or some group of pe people or a committee took a vote on and made happen. This is the hand of God unfolding. We have a responsibility, though. We have to step into it. We have to be willing to step into it. Um, for years, as pastors and, and elders of, of Christian Assembly, we've been praying and talking and praying and talking and praying and talking about two very specific things, location and facilities, where we are and, and, and the, the facility, the land that we're on. Um, lo, our location has changed, not geographically, but it's changed culturally. It's, it, this is not where we initially moved to, the culture around us. The city around us has changed from 1978. You know, um, and our buildings aren't sparkly and shiny anymore. They're 30 and 40 years old. That's not a bad thing. I thank God for this facility. I love this facility. But it's a reality. Um, so in that, we, we said, well, God's not giving us specific anything, so we started doing what you do. You just start exploring. We talked to professionals. We, we looked around and, and tested the market. We, we talked to real estate brokers, commercial real estate brokers, um, and, and nothing produced anything over years, the last number of years. No, nothing's produced anything, and, and you also know, because I've told you on a few different occasions, that I really personally struggled at, with, with the, the mortgage on the property that it was an encumbersome, it, it was um, thousands of dollars of interest in principle we were send, sending to a bank, and it was, that, to me, that represented ministry dollars, that we, we could be doing kingdom stuff with, with those things if the mortgage wasn't, and I really felt that, and presented to the Lord, I said that I would really love it, Lord, if, you had, if you'd favor us by not letting my generation pass on a mortgage to the next generation, so they're starting with that encumbrance, but are rather free of that and can start moving and planning with, with, with a whole different um, foundation under them. And, but at the same time, um, it was a tongue-in-cheek kind of prayer because my mind's saying, well, there's no way this is possible. I, I don't, couldn't see and devise any way that that could happen. Um, and then suddenly... And then suddenly, a casual conversation with Tree of Life opened a door. Then another school contacts us out of the blue, a school we'd never even heard of. Um, and they come not only interested, but they're coming with an offer. Um, and, and our prayer time suddenly got activated even more um, with, one, with a, a primary leading question, Lord, are we to sell or are we to stay? And we're thinking in terms of, well, this, these offers perhaps are God saying it's time to relocate. Um, or should we not? Should we, should we not even consider that and just stay where we are and keep doing what we've been doing? Um, and the answer, you know, sometimes you see things a little clearer in hindsight. The, the answer that came back was that God was telling us to pursue both. Um, but the difference was he wasn't saying to pursue both as separate avenues. In other words, he wasn't saying sell or stay. He was saying sell and stay, which makes you scratch your head when you think about it. It's like, go out and sell your house and stay there. See how, see how the new, just a thought. But that's what God told us. And so we're, we're now thinking, okay, who's going to buy a property where the people stay? And, and 
in order for that to even happen, if they consider it, they're, they're going to have to agree to some unreasonable expectations and needs. And, and we, as a, as a leadership team, we, we put some down. Of course, number one, we have to pay off the mortgage. Number two, whatever space we would end up in was going to have to spend some money to renovate and, and customize again. Um, and, and we wanted to be able to do that on a cash basis. Um, we, we would need to have, because we assumed that if that happens and we end up um, having to lease or rent back space that we're going to be using, um, it had to be a below market rate for rent or, or lease, whatever that would be, and that had to be an agreement. And, and not only agree to that, but there had to be um, on paper somewhere that there was no limitation how long we could stay. That, that the rent wasn't going to run out or the lease wasn't going to um, come to term, and then, and then, then we'd be in jeopardy of, of can we stay longer or where do we go from here. And um, we wanted an agreement of our, our space as a church would be exclusive to us, not that we would just come in and, and use part of the building. Um, and then and we had to have a decent amount of money left over when all was said and done. That, those are things we, we talked about, we prayed about. Those are those pretty much the criteria that we said, God, if, if you're saying to do both, here's what we think it seems like would have to happen. And then Tree of Life pulls out. They, they walked away from the conversation. Todd Mara, the superintendent, was here a few weeks ago. He, he shared that and some of that story, so I won't reiterate it. Um, but all of our attention then suddenly went to this other school. Um, they had a good record. They were an expansion school. Their, their, um, their primary campus is in Atlanta, Georgia, and they were expanding and building a campus in Columbus and one in, in Cleveland. Um, they were a private school for refugee students, and, and they were teaching them and, and training them. Um, the, the Pastor Jerry met, met, met with the leaders, um, he was impressed with them. They were nice people. Um, they, they seemed to be dedicated people to, to what they were doing. They felt very driven and called to what they were doing. Um, they were offering a, a, a top-of-the-market purchase price, and they were ready to sign a contract. So we're, we're thinking about that, but in all honesty, couldn't come to a, a comfort level where we were able to just say, okay, green light this thing. And, and so we, what we started doing is trying to keep, keep kicking the can down the road. We, we tried to keep delaying and, and putting off, and, and they kept calling, and they kept sending things, and they kept asking, and their real estate broker kept contacting us. Um, so I, I tried to set up a meeting with them, and on at least three different occasions that, that I recall, the meetings never could happen for vi- weird, weird reasons, um, strange reasons, um, beyond control kinds of reasons, but I never did actually physically meet with any of those people. Even though they were ready to write a check and, and uh, to purchase the property, and they were making some concessions and they were making some conversation, they were open to have conversation about some of our criteria, um, but we never felt comfortable that a conversation with Tree of Life was over. I, I just never got to a point where I felt like, where did they go and why? That there's something else that. That didn't seem right. So, um, and in that, I began to realize something else. That, that in weighing these two things, I realized that we, we're, we're maybe approaching the thing wrong. That we're not supposed to be looking for a real estate contract, but we're supposed to be looking for a ministry collaboration. 
because the thought of anything happening on this land that's not kingdom related, I just couldn't settle. I, I just, because I, I know the sacrifice people have made for what we've done on this land, in buying it and purchasing, putting up the buildings. I know the sacrifice of time and gifts and talents that have been invested. And I would hate to see that just go for some other purpose, even a good purpose, even a, a noble purpose. And I, we couldn't get there, but I couldn't see how it could possibly come about. Um, so we, we connected with Tree of Life one more time and, and started over again. And in all honesty, I wish we had videotape, Jeremy, of, of some of the negotiations, if you want to even call them that. It was the weirdest things in the world because you had Tree of Life, you had Christian Assembly, and it's like each side was negotiating on behalf of the other. It's the only way I can describe it. I think Pastor Jeremy told you one time that the attorneys who had to draw all this up were scratching their heads saying, you can't do this. this is, it's legal. It's just not done. Um, and it was a delight to watch that unfold. And again, it was just encouraging that God is doing something great among us. And this is, in fact, a time of God's favor and kindness. And, and, uh, and we are positioned for newness. We, we really are. Our present status, um, we're presently, as you know, renovating the, the original sanctuary. And we're going to be moving in there at some point. I can't wait, in all honesty. Because I love this room, but it never really felt like a sanctuary to me. Um, and it wasn't by, by design, it was not designed to be a permanent sanctuary. That, when we had the flood a few years ago and we had to go back there for a couple Sundays, I liked that. It, it, it really felt like home. It was, it was something that I'll enjoy. I don't know if you'll enjoy, but, but I'm going to enjoy it. Um, and we're paying cash for all of those renovations. Um, the monthly rent or lease that, that we said had to be minimal, you know what it is? Zero. Zero. There's no monthly rent or lease. Now, we always knew that whatever the arrangement was, we were going to have to pay our portion of operating expenses, utilities and, and all that stuff. And when talking with Tree of Life, they, you know, we're talking, bringing it up kind of casual. What do you think about rent or lease or how's that going to look or work? Because we, we need to know. We had done our research, and we knew what low-end commercial space rented for with the square footage that we were going to need, and it was more than what the mortgage was. So we knew this probably isn't going to happen, and they said, what rent? That was never part of our thinking, but we do want you to share. We were afraid to ask you to share in operational expenses, and we're thinking, hallelujah, this is, <laughs> this is a good thing. You're thinking right. You're thinking right. So those are things checked off the criteria list. We are currently, we are presently, at this moment, exact moment in time for the last couple of months, we are paying no principal and no interest to any bank because, and I brought a copy, we have no mortgage. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are mortgage free. Here's the next generation. And it gets a, just one more cherry on the pie, on the cake. Once done with all these renovations, and we're, we're projecting, on, but on all the, that we know of at this exact moment in time, until everything's said and everything's done, everything's built and renovated and all that, we will still have in our bank accounts somewhere about a half a million dollars. That's God. 
It's God. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. It's God. Why don't you stand with me? As I was studying for today, I just, I feel like Israel. I feel like we've crossed into something brand new. Something that God has, been, has his hand on. Something that God has brought us to. That, that we haven't designed it on our own. I feel like it, he's walked us into this place of new opportunity. Of, of growth on many levels in many different ways. And like Israel, every family has to play a part. Every one of you has something to contribute. I'm not talking about, I'm not going to take it off you. There's something you need to contribute. And you, I, I would ask you to ask God to ask you what that is. That maybe it's not being a churchman, churchwoman like you've been. Or maybe it's plus something else. Maybe there's a a new gift, a fresh gift that God wants to bring out of you, bring to the service. But all of us, I know all of us have a part. And as we start moving into, not only into the property, but more when we start moving in our, in our collaboration with Tree of Life, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for service and ministry. Not, not just busy work, but building the kingdom. You understand within a couple of years from now, you, know, you want to talk about outreach? 300 families are going to be coming on this property every day. I don't know if that excites you, but to me, that's a God thing. It's almost like we're spoiled. We only have to go out and find people. He's bringing them to our property. And we have to trust him for the wisdom on how to gather them. Because I've talked with True of Life, and many of them are... Many are unchurched and many aren't even believers. They just want their children in private school. So the opportunities are great. We have a wonderful history, long history, great history. I'm thankful to have been a part of the my segment of all those years. And on those stones, we want to build and move forward into the newness that God has for us. You know, the Bible says, I hasn't seen, ears haven't heard, and it hasn't even entered your imagination the things that God has prepared for those who love him anybody love God today anybody love Jesus today you can't even imagine you can't even imagine the good things that he has prepared for us for you individually for us corporately as we are bold in faith to walk into the newness that he's laid out before us a land of opportunity to the glory of God sing something we're going to sing something and then we'll pray it's so good I just this whole morning I've just been looking forward to it so much because I'm new here I don't know a lot of this story I know a lot of us are there are other people who are new who haven't been around for years and years and years and I just think back to the stories in the Bible where, where Moses took time to tell the story of the people of, of their land, of their nation, and how God has rescued, how God has been faithful to them. And so I just thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking this time, which is so important for us. Um, so there's a song that just says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you've proven that you will do just what you say. 
Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass because great is your faithfulness. You're the God of covenant, a faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven that you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to the great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your to me so God from age to age but God from age to age though the earth may pass away your word remains the same yeah. your history can prove there's nothing you can't do you're faithful and true though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain stay. 